0: Hello and welcome to episode three of the CovPod, where we take a look at all things Coventry and this episode we are taking a look at climate change. I'm sure you'll have seen every time you turn on the news that climate change is a key topic at the moment. COP26 is currently taking place in Glasgow this year and is a summit which brings together parties from around the globe to look at how we collectively tackle climate change. Now obviously the conversations that are taking place there are how countries can take huge measures to try and address climate change. However there's lots of work taking place locally and in Coventry there are lots of schemes that are currently underway to help tackle climate change and for the city to do its part. Today you're going to hear a couple of interviews, so you're going to hear from Councillor Jim O'Boyle who's going to talk about the various schemes that are taking place. And you'll also hear from Nicholas Small, who's going to take a closer look at one of those schemes, the Very Light Rail project, which will offer opportunities for the citizens of the city to travel more sustainably, but it will also have economic benefits to the city. I hope you enjoy. Thank you, as always, for listening. And at the end of the podcast, you'll hear the music of a Coventry musician. So I'm here today at Coventry City Council House. I'm pleased to be here with Councillor Jim O'Boyle. Now, Jim is the Cabinet Member for Jobs, Regeneration and Climate Change, and he's here today to talk to me about what what is happening locally in the city and the action that the council is doing to help to try and address climate change. Jim, thanks for joining me.
1: That's all right, Aaron. Hello, how are you?
0: Yes, good. Good. So let's get straight into it then. So I'm sure many people at home are going to know that climate change is high on the agenda. Um, can you give me a snapshot of why it is so important that changes are made at this time?
1: Well, just turn on the news every time. You know, you see uh, news items. You know, there's stories about you know flooding not just in uh, uh, the Far East or or in 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 India or Bangladesh or you know I heard the Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, the other day, I think it was on Times Radio. And, um, he was talking about the floods that took place in London in the summer, quite unprecedented. So climate change isn't just about whether or not, you know, it'll be hotter in the, in the summer and wetter in the winters. It's the impact it's having on people's lives, on the built environment, on the ability of people to grow crops, to be able to survive, you know, be people being able to, to travel because uh, roads are suddenly blocked because of, you know, all, all the debris from, from rock falls and things like that. All that is having an effect and it's and it's down to climate change. And, and there's absolutely no doubt, the scientific evidence is completely overwhelming that there is an impact on the climate and all the scientists who are worth listening to say that actually, as a human race, um, our activities have caused that. By definition, if we've caused it, we can do something to impact on it and change it. So, of course, it's important. It's important now. It's happening now. But it's also important for the future of our world. And I think we owe it not just to the generations coming forward. We owe it to ourselves now to do something about it. And uh, and I'm determined that we can lead the way here in Coventry
0: So, global leaders are meeting at the moment, but obviously, regionally and locally, there is obviously work going on that is looking to to address things, obviously, in Coventry. Now, can you give me an overview about why it's so important for the council to play its part at this time?
1: Well, people look to the council, um, rightly in some views, wrongly in other views, rightly though, for for its leadership, because uh, uh, whilst uh, our activities uh, sometimes don't affect people day to day... Two or three of the things that do affect people that really get people annoyed is the bins don't empty. Suddenly they've got an interest in the council. If the the lights in the street don't work, suddenly uh, the council's at the front of their mind. Why have the council done this? Uh, There's a pothole in the road. They want to know what the council's going to do about it. But actually, as a council, we have a much bigger role now. We do a lot of unseen work. Um, Not that this is particularly... Uh, relevant to what we're talking about but it gives a, a taste of where we're coming from over 70% of our day-to-day budget as a local authority spent on social care so we have limited resource to do things um, when we take into account all the other service areas we have to deal with so ultimately the the context I'm, I'm talking about is is that we do the day-to-day stuff that, that people know about and only know about it when it goes wrong actually well, actually, the unseen stuff, actually preparing our city for the future, actually doing the unseen work that can actually keep the city running and actually look into the future in terms of transport, for example, in terms of actually just making people's lives a bit better that do impact on them, even if they don't necessarily see it from day to day. And that's why I use the context about the bin, for example. And it will only be when you jump on electric bus, when you actually see very light rail going down the road, when you actually have an electric car and you want to charge it on one of the many charge points we have in the city uh, on the roadside for people who maybe if they bought an electric car they've got nowhere to park it off road so how do i charge it people don't see all that until they need to use it it's that sort of thing that is leadership and that can then point us in the right direction in terms of how as a city and ultimately as a country are we going in the right direction when we're making the right choices for our environment
0: So let's look at some of those work streams in a little bit more detail. So I think the one that's getting the headlines at the moment is obviously the VLR, so the Very Light Rail. Tell me about how that started and the current status of that.
1: Very Light Rail, or Covlar as I like to call it, Coventry's Very Light and Rapid Rail. I'm trying to get that name out there because I want it. We have the intellectual property rights for the vehicle as a city council. We also have the intellectual property rights for the track form and I'll come back to that because that's going to inform, and actually, that that is the real game changer in both the light rail and very light rail in the industry. There's a there's a difference between the two things as well between light rail and very light rail. Light rail is like the tram system. If you go over to Birmingham, for example, that's a light rail. What we're talking about is very light rail, which uses the the latest automotive technology and and That means. It, it does what it says on the tin, it's lighter. That means the type of track form you can have is very different, which means that how it's then impacted in the road and how it affects utilities is very, very different. So the costs come down massively, so it makes it affordable for a city the size of Coventry. Basically what it is, in very simple terms, if you go to Birmingham today, they're doing some new routes, some extensions to the uh, to the tramway there. And what they're having to do, prior to them building, laying the trap, they're having to dig down in the streets and the sideways, et cetera, sometimes six, eight foot down. And when you do that, you come across utilities, the gas, the electric, the water, all the rest of it, you know, the telecommunications, etc. They then have to be moved. That then becomes amazingly expensive to the point where, to a city like Ontario, completely unaffordable, um, And you're talking in some parts, city centres where there's so much utilities, there's so much stuff going on there. 100 million pound a kilometre is the sort of average cost for an extension. That's just unaffordable place like Coventry. What we've got is we've got a, we've got a track system that only has to go 30 centimetres into the ground. It means the utilities don't have to be moved. It can sustain the weight of the very light rail because it's a lot lighter than the traditional track. We've got, you know, some of the best experts, not just in this country, anywhere in the world, working on this. So we are very close now to doing this. In the next 12, 18 months, we will have something. And we've got lots of investors, you know, not just here, but around the world wanting to look at this. And we've got other cities and towns coming coming to see me saying, could we have this in our city and town? We're at the hub in in, in Coventry, at the heart of of the automotive industry. Industry in the West Midlands and indeed in the UK. You know we've got a proud history of automotive businesses here. There's a lot of people, a lot of clever people doing a lot of great things, and it's that's that's how it's come about. And we're now at the stage where we've got the vehicle. It's due to go for testing over the next few months. We created a track form that I touched on a minute ago. This has to be clean, clean and green. Yeah, you know, it's going to be run by batteries. Uh, that has those batteries, the the, the, the electric that, that that powers those batteries and charging them up has to come from renewable sources. So so all that is in is in progress, um, and that makes absolute sense. There's no overhead wires. It means that people are then taking a decision between uh, taking their car and driving it down the road, or actually leaving it at home and using it a, a, a clean a clean alternative. And we've got to make sure that we look at loads of different alternatives. And actually, we're trialing so many different alternatives in the city. Whether it's whether it's a uh, you know the bike hire scheme. You know, there's hardly a place you can go in the city now where you can't just pick up a bicycle. You know, as I said, there's loads. We've got electric bikes. We're trialing here as well. There's loads of other things going on. And the point is, is when you when you when you say to people, well. You know, leave your car behind because the government have already said, well, you know, by 2030, you know, all petrol and diesel engines are going to be got rid of. Um What's going to happen? Because how am I going to get around? You know, and uh, electric cars are flipping expensive. I can't afford them. You're talking nine years down the road. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this in a minute because this is a really really important subject. But it's it's it's, it's getting our city ready. And looking at all these different alternatives, and saying that you know we're not going to leave you high and dry. We're doing what we can to make it as easy as possible for you to make the decision that you want to make. Because the other point I would say is that actually, you you probably ask ninety nine people out of one hundred. It's probably even bigger than that. Do you want to do your best for the climate? Do you want to make the right choice? And you can bet your life, almost everyone will say yes. But when you ask them how they'll do that, that's a much more difficult question for them to answer and we need to do our little bit to do what we can to make it a bit easy for them to answer that question positively.
0: Something that I think is close to the hearts of many of the citizens of the city is the city centre and obviously we've seen huge regeneration in the city over the last couple of years and um, I remember we talked about my wife again when the trees were taken down as part of the precinct I remember she being really sad and saying oh I can't believe the trees are coming down and obviously now we're now further on we're now seeing how green the precinct now is. Um, tell me how important that was to make sure that there was greenery as part of the city centre regeneration.
1: Very important. I mean, and it, again, this is an economic virtuous circle. And this is what people have got to, got to understand, is that our city has to be you know, a commercial centre. Um, for it to survive, it's, it, it needs people coming in, spending time, spending money. But we also know that to get people in, they want it to be an attractive place. Uh, there's plenty of precincts, you know, around the country that look windswept and deserted. And whilst our precinct, even before what we've done now, wasn't quite like that, it would have ended up like that if we hadn't taken action. We've seen shops closing and, 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 and people voting with their feet. Um, but it has to be attractive because people want to spend time outdoors, want to spend time with their, Families that want to meet their friends to, to us when we're doing things in our city, we want it to be as attractive and as nice as possible. And part of that is, of course, you know, vegetation in all its different forms. And it's absolutely right that we do that. And again, you know, we don't make these decisions that say, you know, as councillors, we think we know better than everybody else. You know, we've got, you know, who who understand, you know, the flora and fauna and how they interact and how they work within a city centre environment and elsewhere. And we have a very good regime of looking after all the necessary vegetation. And and actually that's the thing. Yeah, if you leave your garden and don't maintain it, look after it, it'll just soon become a, a wild jungle and that the same applies you know in any in any public space and so yeah we have to work within the parameters of what we've got but we also have to make sure that it's as attractive as possible and it brings in all the different uh, birds and and insects all the rest of it and all that is taken account of when we're taking these decisions and i have to say um don't take my word for it go out and ask anybody I can't think of anyone really anymore who says, you know, well, our city centre is not very nice. It's the one thing as a council. We don't normally get compliments, but that's we—that's all we get now about the city centre is compliments. I'm really proud of that.
0: So let's go on to something that I know is also close to your heart um, around the Gigafactory. Um, so for those at home who might not know about the Gigafactory, tell us more about it again and the current status of, of where the development is.
1: Yeah, I mean... In simple terms, a gigafactory is a mass manufacturing, uh, establishment that, that, that builds batteries, is simply put. And, uh, look, in Coventry, you know, we were the birthplace of the UK automotive industry. You know, from 1896, you know, we, we've been at the, you know, the heartbeat of, of what's gone on in the automotive industry in our country. We've, we've had our, we've had our ups and we've had our downs and, um, I worked in, in 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 the automotive industry for nineteen years at, at Persia and I, you know in that time you know there was ups and there was downs and 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 that's the nature of, of the business. but one of the things that that we do know is that through our DNA as a city it's part of what we are and the skills and the technologies and of course you know, and the people that we've got here and the businesses. Still, you know, uh, rely heavily and are involved heavily in, you know, in the car industry. But the car industry is changing. Uh, I mentioned earlier that 2030 is the year that all, you know, diesel and petrol engines in this country are going to be outlawed in terms of sold as new. So all new vehicles there are going to have to be green. Have to be electric, and that is a massive. I can't emphasise enough what a massive. Task that is for the automotive industry to go electric in that space of time, it's 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 a big ask, and it normally takes seven eight years from. And this is just a normal internal combustion engine vehicle from from design from from the drawing board right through to the forecourt. We're talking about something completely different here. We're redesigning what is a a, a vehicle that people would know and understand, and that's big. But the one thing we do know is that if we don't build the batteries here, that then go into the vehicles that are built here, they'll stop building the vehicles here, and then they'll go abroad. So it's crucial, both in terms of protecting our environment, because the less these travel, the better it is for the environment. Because at the moment, most electric vehicles you have in this country, the, the, the batteries are transported from, from the Far East. So whilst the vehicle itself might be, you know, if you like, carbon zero in terms of it's, it's moving around, it's, it's, it's not been built carbon zero. The amount of carbon that has been burnt in order to get it from the Far East over here is astronomical, and we've got to end that.
0: And what is the current status? I know there's obviously lots of red tape to go through and, and lots of uh, agreements and sign-offs that need to take place, but how is how is it currently looking?
1: Well, as I said, we've got the planning application in... That is uh, uh, due to be uh, considered uh, before Christmas, and fingers crossed um, that will go through. And we've we've done everything we can to to make that happen, and I'm confident about that. You know, they're talking about six thousand direct jobs. You know, in terms of normally three times that when you talk about the indirect and the supply chain. So economically, it's massive for us and massive for Coventry and Warwickshire, massive for the West Midlands. Um, and then if we get that, we can then get on site and we can make sure the government put in their money because, you know, they need to pump prime this as well. That's really, really important. They've done it in in Sunderland to a point with Nissan. They've done it up at Vauxhall, you know, on Merseyside. So, you know, they've got to come to the party here as well. But we can have this site up producing batteries by 2025. And there's nowhere else like this, not just in the country, but anywhere in the world. And that's not me saying it. That's the experts in that industry telling me that.
0: So there's so much work taking place. We've obviously looked globally and the work that the Coventry City Council is is doing. Is there any other work that's taking place that people might be interested in?
1: One of the things I'm sure people will be interested in, I'm setting up a climate change board. Um, I'm I'm, I'm getting all the experts of industry together uh, to advise the leaders of the city, not just the council, but the leaders of the city, our our industrial leaders, as to what plans uh, they can bring forward in order to help support uh, climate change initiatives uh, going forward. And of course, as part of that, they will be engaging with local residents and community groups in order to feed of all, all, all of their interest and ideas into all of that. Because it's key for me, as a leader in the council, that I don't say to people, this is what people should do. I want to hear from the very experts. And I leave you with one thought, and it's just one thought, and people don't always like this, but it's absolutely true, The very people that caused part of what we're now talking about, which is global warming, some of the big, huge conglomerates, the energy companies, the experts in there can also bring forward the solutions as well, whether it's to do with air source pumps, you know, heat, heat source pods whether it's to do with solar panels all the rest of it they've got some of the technological ideas and we want to utilize that and then lobby and understand how better we can then bring that together to bring it down to a level where actually individuals can then afford to make that choice we can help support our residents
0: in our city to make the right choice thank you jim i found that really useful i'm sure the people at home are going to find it useful too thank you for your time So I'm here at Friargate, the new Coventry City Council offices. To speak to Nicholas Small, who is a senior rail program manager at Coventry City Council.
2: Hello Aaron, it's nice to meet you.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your role and what does the role look like day to day?
2: Well, it's a very busy role and it is quite challenging. But um, as a transport planner, it's a really exciting place for me to be right now. I was attracted to come and work for Coventry back in 2017. Uh, I used to work for Warwickshire County Council as a, a senior transport planner. But at the time, I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to work on something innovative and groundbreaking. And I knew that Coventry City Council had big ambitions for the city. And this really appealed to me as a transport planner, the opportunity to work on some real game-changing innovation. So I um, uh, got in touch with Colin Knight, the director, and um, put in my CV. uh, And I was interviewed to come along and uh, for the rail programme manager, which consisted of managing both the station master plan scheme at the time and the newly formed Very Light Rail project, which had just um, secured funding back in 2017 for an R&D programme. It was a really exciting time to join the council. Um, It was exceptionally busy. Well, it remains exceptionally busy, but back then I was managing both those programmes, which um, have a number of uh, work streams to them. Um, the big vision for the station uh, to improve capacity at the station to meet the future demand of rail um, required by the city and then with Very Light Rail to develop a new urban um, light rail system for use in the city and beyond to connect the rail station to strategic locations such as the hospital, the University of Warwick um, and create a network of Very Light Rail routes for the city so that's what I came here to do and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm now focused on, the Very Light Rail system, uh, and that's the focus of my day-to-day work here at the council.
0: Obviously, Councillor O'Boyle touched upon some of the VLR stuff, but how about give me an overview of the project and perhaps then some of the benefits that the people of the city will see, particularly for around the environmental side?
2: So um, the, the whole programme is about developing a new mode of transport and it's really... Um, Important that people understand that because, as Councillor Boyle mentioned in his um, chat with you, this isn't a traditional light rail scheme. This isn't a system that will require deep excavation of the road and and creating chaos for a city centre location. What we're doing here is trying to create a lightweight system that can be implemented within the highway um, much easier in a much easier way than traditional system so we're looking at a very lightweight vehicle which will then enable us to have a lightweight track and will only require us to dig the surface layer of the highway and so consequently as a result of having this shallow track form er immediately it becomes better for the environment because we won't be digging so deep and we won't be pouring so much concrete um, and I'm sure everybody listening will know how much carbon there is in, in concrete itself. So a key element of this project is to reduce carbon emissions and to improve general air quality for the people of Coventry. Um, one thing that people may not know is that rubber-based transport solutions, the car, taxi, buses, they are an integral part of the transport network and I don't want to underplay them because we we all know how critical all of those modes of transport are. But rubber-based vehicles do emit particulates, um, rubber dust uh, from the tyres, brake dust, and these kind of particulates, it's becoming more and more known that they, they are the cause of um, major respiratory illnesses. And in fact, the World Health Organization released a report this year in September 2021 attributing 7 million deaths worldwide to this non-exhaust emissions, they're calling it. So um, pollution that's created through brake and rubber dust. It's also known as the Oslo effect if people want to do a bit more research on that. But it's a really important point and these are tiny particulates that we can't see when we're walking around the city but they are responsible for causing asthma and lung disease and cancer Um, and it's really important that we try to introduce a a variety of modes of transport that will help us address these important issues so that we can live and, and work in a city where we're breathing in clean air and that is one of the great things about rail where it's a a steel wheel operating on a steel track there are no um, non-exhaust emissions released as a result of uh, a steel wheel on steel rail so that in itself will bring massive benefits to the city in terms of helping us achieve our air quality targets As well, as a result of it being a steel wheel on steel rail and the rails being in the ground, the people will know that it's permanent, it's there to stay, they'll know exactly where the routes are going, and as a result of that, it will give people confidence to use it because they'll they'll see where it's going, they'll know where the stops are, they'll become familiar with it. And unfortunately, bus services can be withdrawn within a three-month notice period, and if they're not commercially successful then unfortunately some services do need to be cut. And that can lead to people feeling apprehensive about establishing a new um, commuter route or using the buses for getting to the shops. But what a a light rail system offers is that permanence and gives people the confidence to use it. And we know from looking at other cities that it it can create modal shift. So whereas um, the bus network is by and large used by um, many people that don't have access to a car. What we can do with light rail is really um, attract a proportion of those people that are car drivers to use the system. And Nottingham Trams achieved a 30% modal shift.
0: It's exactly what I was about to mention. I went to uni in Nottingham and in my head, I never really thought about getting the bus. It was always the metro that we got. So yeah, it was literally just what I was thinking just then.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you probably did that because you knew exactly where it was. It was a popular thing to use. People like using it. They offer regular journey times. People um, you know, know where it's going and are much more comfortable to use a, a, a rail-based system.
0: So in terms of, I think you touched upon it at the beginning, where is the metro roughly going to go? I know it's still still being in development, but where, where are we looking for the stops to be or where how far out of the city centre is it going to go?
2: Well at this moment in time the first route has been revealed so in terms of its start and end location so it will um, serve the rail station and it will go through the city centre to um, Paul Meadow and then it will connect through some residential zones to the hospital. Um, I mean that's all we can say at this moment in time because it is subject to further uh, development work Um, and there will be a public consultation exercise at the back end of next year where we'll be able to um, consult with the public on various uh, proposals and take feedback but we we do have to start somewhere with um, with a a route to look at and we know that we can get um, a good business case for that route because it will serve area of the city areas of the city that are currently poorly served by some public transport so it's really important to us that we make um, the very light rail system accessible to all and penetrate areas that are currently not necessarily served well by other public transport modes.
0: Okay great and when do you think it's going to be or when is it estimated that the people of the city are going to be able to sit and take journeys in VLR?
2: Well, the Coventry has an aspiration to get a city demonstrator of the system up and running um, as early, early 2024, late 2023. That is subject to further uh, feasibility work. But as a team, we are looking at ways that we could achieve that. Um, The first route uh, will be complete late 2025, 26. It is subject. The reason I'm hesitant is because it's subject on. Um, legal processes that are beyond the control of the city council we do have to put in a transport for works act order um, to the department for transport and there is a process there that we have to go through uh, and then we have to receive secretary of state approval to put the system in the highway so some things are out of our control but as a council we're doing everything we can to get this up and running as early as possible because we we know that this climate crisis it's a crisis it's happening now and we need to work quickly to make sure we put in place measures to address climate change and air quality.
0: So another thing that Councillor Boyle touched upon was how innovative this project is and I think he said there's kind of leaders around the world that were interested in finding out more about what the city is doing. Is this something that is so innovative?
2: It really is. I mean as a transport planner it's It's so exciting to be involved in such a groundbreaking project. So at the moment, light rail systems cost upwards of 25 million a kilometre, sometimes as much as 100 million a kilometre in a city centre location. And that's because they are deep, in uh the the track form is is deep and as councillor boyle mentioned because there you have to excavate deep you have to move out of the way all the utilities equipment and that adds a cost of around 10 million per kilometer just to move the utilities network so what the, the, the aim of our project is to have a shallow track form that sits on top of the utilities and we will be working closely with um uh, the utilities providers to ensure that they're happy with the system we're proposing. Um, clearly, we won't be able to not move any utilities. There will be utilities junctions that we have to take into account, and we might have to move our alignment to take um, into consideration the requirements of the utilities providers. But the, the, the ethos of the project is to get this track form shallow enough to reduce all the earthworks that are required for light rail implementation. And as a result of doing that, we're targeting 10 million per kilometre, which is a significant cost saving on current systems. And and as a result of that cost saving, it makes it much more affordable, especially for the smaller city like Coventry. And that's why there's national and global interest in the work that we're doing.
0: It's always good to see the city at the forefront of, of innovation. Historically, we've been known for a city that does that. So to continue that legacy is obviously brilliant to see. Um, before we go, just Tell me about the redevelopment of the train station. I'm sure people can see from the skyline how different it is, but as that's something that you were involved with kind of early? Give me an idea of how that's looking now.
2: Yeah, it's it's so great to be sat here and see it from the window where we are and how it's um, emerged from the ground and it's looking very close to, to being open now. Um, yeah, when I got involved in the project, we were in the procurement phase and... Um, compulsory purchase order phase as well for the land that we required for the um, bus interchange so this the station comprises of a new um, multi-story car park a new ticket office um, a new footbridge and canopies it's also um, involved the realignment of um, warwick road which uh, i can see is opened up today um, So it's great to see all that in place and there will be a a transport interchange as well at the station. Um, Really exciting now to see it, um, you know, uh, change the skyline of Coventry. Uh, We really needed this project to improve the capacity at the station. The current um, station is is congested on the stairwells. It it was getting to the point pre-pandemic where it felt quite dangerous actually on those stairs.
0: It always reminds me of the amount of times I've kind of been late for a train and you kind of hold your breath when you get in there of like how bad is it going to be to get from one platform to the other?
2: Exactly. It's one of the fastest growing stations outside of London and we need to cater for that demand and we want to encourage people to use the station. But people will only do so if they feel that the you know from start to end of the journey needs to be a comfortable one. People need to feel confident in using The facilities at the station as well as just the train service so it's really important that we create a a, a pleasant gateway to the city um, and then you know a place where people want to go and feel comfortable to use it and that's what the new station will offer you know sufficient parking if required um, transport interchange so that people can uh, access the station by other transport modes um, we hope to encourage people to cycle and walk to the station we've got electric vehicle charge points as well within the the station so we hope to encourage electric vehicle use
0: yeah it, it definitely sounds like there's so much work going on in the city centre and um, thank you for taking the time to speak to me today good luck with the rest of the project i know there's lots of, of kind of red tape to jump through before we get there but it definitely sounds like we're heading in the right direction which sounds like a pun which it wasn't meant to be but yeah keep all the good work Huge thanks to Councillor Jim O'Boyle and to Nicholas Small for giving up their time to speak to me about climate change. I definitely feel that like I now understand more about the work the city is doing to help tackle climate change, and I hope you do too. As always, we'll end with a Coventry musician, and this week we've got the brilliant David Goody. I've known about David for a couple of years now ever since I started my etch and pin business. Um, His stuff's really innovative, really different, but it's just like what I try to do. He likes to celebrate the smaller things in the city, and he does this brilliantly in his song We Are The City Aspires, which will play out this episode. J1 the enemy, Gigantic tapestries, ribbon-weaving cottage looms, Doctor Who theme tune, 2 tone Vince Hill Elephants middle march was Coconut's tree just a large